0: Good morning, JICF. It's great to have the opportunity to preach and share God's Word with you again today. The last Sunday sermon that I preached was actually on March 8th, the last Sunday before we canceled all our morning uh, Sunday morning services. Uh, I mentioned that Sunday that I felt deprived of physical contact by not being able to even shake people's hands. And uh, Suparno, who was the moderator at that time, Uh, actually kindly gave me a hug uh, to water my dried up soul in need of physical human contact. So thank you, Zuparno. Since then, my heart continues to yearn to be with you all. God has created us as social being to live in community as we practice the one-anothering. Although it's not ideal, I thank God that I'm able to connect with you even though it is digitally until such time when we can meet in person again. The last sermon I preached was about the wide and narrow road from Matthew 7. It was part of the series that that we are on, uh, on the book or on the Gospel of Matthew. For the last two Sundays, if you have been here with us, uh, Mike Densmore as well as John Zhang share with us the first half of Matthew chapter 8 on the many miracle or miraculous healings that Jesus performed. Uh, Today, we're going to be continuing on chapter 8, but before we continue, uh, suppose I inform you that I'd like to invite you on a journey to a glorious destination where you will see with your own eyes the most beautiful landscape eyes have ever seen and experience joy and laughter your heart has ever known and be the most blessed person together with all the people who made it there. Will you go with me? I suppose many of you will say yes to this invitation. But if in addition, I would need to inform you that uh, on this journey, Uh, you will experience difficulty and the journey is going to be tiring. The road is narrow, uh, treacherous, rocky, dusty. You can probably starting to imagine that and start feeling uh, the the difficulties of the terrain. Uh, The terrain is steep, sometimes it's muddy, slippery. Uh, You will be deprived of being with your family and friends and people that you love. Um, They are hidden dangers perhaps with bandits along the way and you may even lose your life. Will you still accept my invitation and go with me? Well, it depends on whether it is uh, really uh, worthwhile, right? Uh, What is awaiting for us at the other end? Is it worth all the effort and sacrifices to go on this journey? Keep this invitation Uh, for the journey in your mind as we dive into our text today. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 8 on the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to continue with verse 18. So let me read that text to you. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Let me group these five verses that we have just read into three main ideas or three main points. They're easy to remember because it is a three C words. Okay? The first one for first eight, uh, I just summarize it as leave the crowd. The second point, encapsulating verses 19 and 20, count the cost. And then first 21 and 22, radically commit. Please say it with me, leave the crowd, count the cost, and radically commit. So it says there, now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. What does leave the crowd means here? Uh, Well, Jesus in his humanity also experienced physical exhaustion. Uh, He needed rest away from the crowd. So when he asked his disciples to move on, to go to the other side, uh, they were at that time in Capernaum. And uh, it's by a shore of uh, Lake or Sea of Galilee, they call it. It's actually a lake, not, not really a sea, but it is huge lake. So they were saying, let's go to the other side. Jesus was instructing them to go to the other side and uh, away from the crowd so that they can find some people uh, Restful place for them, and that Jesus would uh, spend time with them. Now, there's safety in numbers, so it is safe to be in a crowd. Life is easier in the crowd. As long as you don't stick out, you're okay when you remain in a crowd. It's easy to hide in the crowd, even in the church crowd. Some of you perhaps have been going to church most of your life or for, for a long time, and um, just being comfortable in the midst of others that share the same um, minds and all that uh, without having to make any specific uh, personal decisions to do something different from the crowd. It's very safe. But Jesus here is asking the disciples and to follow him, to leave the crowd, to go, somewhere. Leaving the crowd oftentimes involves swimming up uh, against the stream, be separate, set apart, not just like the crowd. There's a lot of cultural norm where we live in. There's certain demand and expectations that people in the crowd uh, put on us. Uh, For example, uh, perhaps we have been uh, conditioned as we grow up uh, to really be successful in our lives, uh, that we should earn a living and perhaps become very wealthy, and sort of like the wealthier you are, the more acceptable you you are to the crowd or to the community around you. Uh, People who are strong and powerful, people who are respectable uh, all these are certain expectations that culture put on us. And even sometimes, for a social situation, uh, a person who is married, uh, perhaps that's an expectation in a family. As uh, so you had funds in your age, maybe now you are in your uh, 20s, and, and uh, family members, especially parents, would start nudging you about being married. So those are all social norms that we live in. And uh, the crowd kind of accentuate as well as kind of keep that norm intact. But Jesus said, follow me even sometimes despite of all the expectations that the culture sets on us. The second point I would like to uh, point out is that Jesus said, count the cost, right? First uh, 19, we read, a scribe came up and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Don't you want to have somebody says that to you? That means they respect you, uh, they see something in you that they want to, to follow you as their leader. We see over-eagerness, though, in uh, this scribe or the teacher of the law uh, that Jesus wanted to point out. He was making some rash decision to follow. Perhaps he saw and heard the many miracles that Jesus had performed, as we uh, covered the last week. Uh, Jesus was in Capernaum, and uh, he cleanses a leper. He healed the servant of the centurion by just saying the word. Uh, he healed Peter's mother-in-law uh, because she was having a fever. And and also John uh, uh, pointed out last week, he cast out the spirits with a word. The evil spirits left just because Jesus said the word and he healed all who were sick. Perhaps the scribe saw all these miracles and see that what is in it for me? It's more like that motivation here is to see what glory that he will receive if he follow Jesus. We tend to want to follow great leaders, often for our own benefit. But how did Jesus respond to the scribe? Even though it looks like he's very eager, but Jesus wants to remind him to count the cost. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but Son of Man, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Even though Jesus had the supernatural power to do miracles, as we have seen uh, in the previous verses, he denied himself of creaturely comfort. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the creator of this universe. But yet when he came into this world, he decided that he is going to use his supernatural power for the glory of God and not for his own benefit. Uh, Even he himself did not have a place to rest his head. God uses the weak to shame the strong. He uses the foolish and despised things of this world to shame the wise. Uh, it is in our weakness that God proves himself strong. We read in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, starting from verse 9, it says that, uh, but he said to me, but God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Uh, Yesterday, as I was thinking through this, I talked to my wife, and I said, you know, if I have a choice, I would rather be like doing my own thing, doing a project, but not a project that I would do for somebody else. It's just a project for myself. I don't like the pressure of having to do certain things and have to um, perhaps meet certain people's expectations. And I don't like to be in the situations where there's pressures and, and expectations. I, w- I would like to do everything in my own pace. So my wife said, "Well." Uh, you can you can be a hermit, uh, but that will not help you with your sanctification. So in a sense that the difficulties in life that God puts along the path as we follow him is not to make our life difficult, but it's actually through our weakness that we can rely more on him. That through the things that we are not able to do, do we know that we are relying upon his strength to be able to carry out um, the purposes of our lives that he has for us. So it is important to note that Jesus actually had all the power to perform miracles, to make his life easier. But he did not do that. Instead, no location on earth affords a true home for him. And likewise, we as the citizens of heaven should view this world is not our home. We are sojourners, we are travelers, we are just strangers in this world according to 1 Peter 2, 11, Jesus did not promise the abundance of material provisions for those who would follow him. In fact, following Jesus involves deprivation long before we share in his glory. So count the cost. Leave the crowd, count the cost, radically commit. So radically commit. We read in verse 21, another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Isn't this a reasonable request? Let me first go and bury my father. What was Jesus' response? Jesus said to to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. In response to this reasonable request uh, of of, um, a disciple, don't you think Jesus is a bit harsh here? Uh, What's wrong with just going and bury my own father." Well, some of you perhaps have gone to funerals uh, here in uh, Indonesia, especially here in Jakarta. Uh, We have funeral homes uh, that are well built, luxuriously decorated, perhaps in some of the uh, offering that they have here for funerals. But, um, so funerals can can be lengthy and sometimes uh, people have to wait for all the um, uh, family members to come maybe from overseas so that they can give their, uh, pay their last respect to the dead and to the family. Um, in the Jewish tradition, funeral is also very elaborate. In fact, uh, people will be mourning for days. Uh, if this was what it what it seems to be from our modern mind reading the text, uh, let me first go bury my father, it's actually not as what it seems. The disciples would have been with his family mourning if truly his father has died. He will not be found with Jesus and with the crowd. So what does this first really mean then? Well, perhaps the father is still very much alive, right? But one day the father will die and will be buried. But what he's saying perhaps says, let me not disappoint my father who has raised me up maybe paid for all my education. Let me go and meet his expectation first, and then I'll come and follow Jesus. Perhaps he's wanting to wait until he gets his share of his inheritance first, right? So when the father died, then he will get all his material possessions, material wealth, and then with that, he can then quit his job, perhaps, and then go and um, serve God, right? Uh, And many people think that way. So, how how does this apply to our life today? Um, Radically commit. Jesus doesn't want us to put anything first, but put following him first and everything else would follow. Maybe I say, um, if you are in school right now, you will say, well, let me finish my education first before I follow Jesus. Or let me work and earn a lot of money first, and then when I retire, then I'll retire early and I have a lot of time in my hands and a lot of uh, resources, money, then I can go and serve God. Or let me advance in my career first. Um, And perhaps like the the other disciple, uh, I would say, let me go and please my parents first. Because sometimes when you follow Jesus, family will disown you. I know this certainly true in certain parts of of the world, even here in Indonesia. I know of people who have been disowned by their family because they choose to f- put God first to follow Jesus first and uh, family second and and uh, some some people in other parts of the world they get disowned, they got chased out because they have turned uh, from their parents' faith, for example uh, into following christ some some of you. Maybe uh, in a situation where you think about, well, I really need a life companion. So let me find a husband first or find a wife first. Let me get married first. And then once I have that, then perhaps I'll come and follow Jesus. Or maybe you have a family. You said, well, let me have children first and raise them up um, and then go and follow Jesus. No, Jesus said, commit. Radically, radically commit your life now. Follow me now. Let the dead bury the dead. Following Jesus should be our first priority. Let the dead bury the dead. Don't focus on what do not last, but focus on eternity. Set your priorities straight. Following Jesus is definitely more satisfying than anything this world has to offer. Well, would you like to follow Jesus and be on, his, on this glorious journey with him? Leave the crowd. Are you overly eager to follow Jesus now? Well, count the cost. Have you correctly set your priority to follow him? Radically commit. Set your priorities straight and follow him. Because we were dead in our trespasses, But you might ask, why would I want to follow Jesus in the first place? Well, because we were dead in our trespasses. We were eternally separated from God because of our sin. Jesus came and denied himself of the creaturely comfort and sacrificed his life for you and me to save us from death. He died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we can be reconciled to God to spend eternity with him. Having received all that from him, does he not deserve all the best? Does anything less really worth all that he has done for us? Let me close by sharing a story uh, of one of my beloved mentors. His name is Carol Linman, Carol Dean Linman. Carol went to be with the Lord, um, late last year, on December 21, at a ripe age of 92. Um, From eighth grade, he has a dream to be an engineer. So he enrolled in Iowa State uh, as an electrical engineering student. But while there, the uh, the Lord touched his life and invited him on this glorious journey to follow Jesus. He applied to Moody's Bible Institute in Chicago but was turned down because the enrollment was high. This is during like post-World War II. Many people get their GI bills and uh, were able to go to get any education that they want. So the, the enrollment was full. So uh, Carol went back to Iowa State and finished his studies and earned his bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. He later did finish his seminary education at both Moody's as well as Fuller uh, Seminary, though. But while at Iowa State, Carol got involved with Chinese scholars and started to share Christ because he had such a passion to share Christ with people. And he had Bible studies after Bible studies with with, uh, this particular person. One student leads to another. Before he knew it, he was having Bible studies with many international students on campus at Iowa State. Since then, Carol committed his life to reach out to international students with the gospel. Besides Iowa State, Carol worked with international students at UC Berkeley as well as Purdue University. I met Carol and his wife Donna Mae Lindman in winter of of uh, 1988 at Purdue when I went there to pursue my graduate studies in electrical engineering. uh, Carol and Donna May took me in and mentored me, as I was only a baby Christian then, after coming to know Christ in Seattle a few years earlier. Carol and Donna May gave their life, not just for Bible studies with us, but they served us. I remember in late spring of 1989, our car broke down on I-65 when we were heading up to Chicago. Carol and Donna Mae drove many miles in two cars to come and rescue us. They gave us one of the cars so we can continue our trip to Chicago while they drove uh, all the way back south to rush to a wedding. What a service, what a sacrifice. Carol never realized his dream to be an electrical engineer he decided to follow Jesus to be on the journey with him to reach international students for Christ and discipled them. Carol is with the Lord now, but his legacy remains even here on earth. Countless of foreign students like myself, who are now back in our countries, have been pos- positively impacted for Christ by Carol's faithfulness in responding to the call of Jesus to follow him. I hope this story helps you. It has really encouraged me to see how when we follow Jesus wholeheartedly, leaving the crowd, counting the cost, and radically commit to follow him will result in fulfilling his purpose for our life. I pray that this would be true for you as well. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for just this A few verses that reminds us of the cost of discipleship, of the cost of following Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, for the many times that we have perhaps um, rashly follow you without counting the cost. And as a result, um, we're, we're chasing after our own interests and not truly following you as what you really meant when you say, come and follow me. Perhaps, Lords, we have set our priority wrong, that we want everything. We want you, but we also want everything that the world has to offer. We ask for your forgiveness. We're thankful for this reminder. Bend our hearts more toward following you with the right motivation, with a wholehearted commitment today, Lord. I pray for those who have not come and follow you, that today this message of hope Why we come to follow Christ is because he first loved us. He laid down his life for us to forgive us as a ransom for our sins so that we can be reconciled with you. That because of that, that we can spend eternity with you as your children. That I pray that this will be a call to come and follow Christ, even for the first time for uh, those that have not followed him. For the rest of us, Lord, help us to truly commit our lives. Help us see that everything is pale in comparison to the hope, to the, to the glory uh, there is at the end of the journey with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.